0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. It's Jet Tattersall with you again. Now, before we get into the show, we just want to quickly mention that we are being very responsible with our social distancing during this crazy time, and this podcast is being produced remotely. So please do forgive us for the lower audio quality than you are used to and for any bumps and dropouts you may hear during this episode. Now, on to today's show. We are so excited to welcome an artist from New Zealand who early this year produced a song which we are 100% obsessed with, Samson. Now, it is right up there as one of our favourite tracks of 2020. At the beginning of May, she released her first album in three years, and it is an absolute cracker. Now, she has been labelled the musician's secret for her work with some of the top artists in New Zealand, but that secret is now well and truly out of the bag. We love her. It is the wonderful Reb Fountain. Reb? hello and welcome to women in pop
1: hi thank you so much for having me what a lovely intro
0: (laughs) well welcome now honestly it is such a pleasure to have you on our show how have you been keeping in isolation
1: well i live in Auckland New Zealand and so in many ways i feel very privileged to be in such an amazing country you know looking after us um i guess like everyone it's been a pretty crazy surreal time right but uh I, um, I was feeling a little bit despondent at the beginning of this because we had all these international fans and we were going to come to Australia as well as the US and Canada. Um, I, I decided to write a song a day during lockdown, and that's, that certainly kept uh, me busy, kept um, me focused and grounded, especially on the day where I didn't feel so worried about life. Um, and it's been a great challenge for my craft. And on top of that, been kind of working with a team of friends um, to help save the venues here and out there all. so we've got somewhere to play once we can start going out and performing our music again.
0: Beautiful. I love the fact you're doing, you're putting a song a day out as well. How's that been going?
1: Well, I'm writing a song a day, which is quite different from a recent song a day. <laughs> and it's, I guess... One of the things that I realized about myself is that I'm not genre specific at all. Like I, one night will write a punk song and the next time some like endless folk ballad. Uh, and, and that's been really cool. It, it's also been an interesting practice because I often sort of wait for inspiration to come, um, or at least I do. So kind of having that forced structure needing to complete a song a night and usually i'll start a song about 10 p.m and i'm so bloody tired that um i just uh am pushing myself just to finish the tune so yeah it's been it's been an interesting challenge and i guess i decided not to put a lot of pressure on myself about having to you know complete something or write an album just to hone my craft while i was in lockdown. And I guess that helped me feel productive and grounded in this time. is very
0: chaotic for all of us. I'm so glad you mentioned that as well, that you don't fit into one genre, because even this album, you're like, I'm taken from jazz bars to, you know, a basement in Edgar Allan Poe's house to, it's just so eclectic. It's unbelievable. And I love that. Um, the album is out. It's incredible, it's self-titled, and we have been playing it and playing it over again. Um, I just want to talk to you, you have been a musician um, in New Zealand for years and you've been collaborating and touring with some of the finest musicians out there. I just want to know, how does it feel to have this piece of work that's all yours out there at this moment in time?
1: Well, it's a big question. I mean, I feel, I feel really grateful that I've been able to put out a record, and it's a mission, and a whole lot of people come together to make something like that happen. I guess I, um, it's also been pretty surreal, you know. I, I didn't know how to, I'm releasing a, a song, a song is one thing, but releasing an album in the middle of the pandemic, a global pandemic, uh, it's been scary. Mm. Um, and the kind of usual things that you do as an artist like going out and performing going on tour and connecting with audiences um with you know gone overnight in a heartbeat and as musicians we're we're not just out of pocket in many ways we've been out of purpose. you know it's, it's our job to connect with you and it's, it's felt strange like a little bit like i'm in a vacuum releasing this album at the same time it felt like the most important thing i could do to share This music right now, and it has been a really long time coming. You know, this record for me um, feels like a line in the sand moment, and I guess that's because I have worked with a lot of other people and I've I've done a lot of music in the past. But this was really the first time that I was able to 100% have my own back commit to this project to myself, and it's felt very self driven from the beginning. I I woke up one morning and was like, right i want to make a record because what i want to do and kind of just execute it made it happen and i guess that's new for me to be able to just 100 percent put myself into a project as a single parent you know and the kids were there and young and i wasn't able to dedicate myself to my music in the same way so it feels it feels really good because it's me now too it's a current project and um yeah I'm I'm really excited to share it with people I'm so amazed that you're
0: listening to us. it's absolutely beautiful and um I'm glad you touched on that as well the fact that it was like okay this is me now and it's all me I mean that must be both liberating and daunting um I imagine it's uh, it's all you out there and it's just so gorgeous um I want to talk to you about the second release on the album Samson like it's such a favorite here with us. Um, and I know you said that the album itself has Nick Cave running through its veins and it couldn't be any further from the truth with this track. It's all brandy glass and late night confessionals. I'm actually, I'm just going to play it now for the listeners. So here's Samson.
1: It's electric takes a spark to ignite Lovers leave in their own way Tell me that you're crazy about like my love Call me like you're crazy, like my love. Kiss me like you're crazy, crazy for me, baby. All words still in my mind. Tell me oh that my god, it's such a gorgeous
0: track. It's also like perhaps a little more poppy love. than your earlier releases, but then it's just pure poetry. And I just want to know where did this track come from?
1: Well, yeah, Samson is one of my favorites songs off of the record and actually it was written during the recording process so uh, we recorded the album at Roundhead Studios Kerenoff, and, and that's Neil Finn's studios and I'd spent quite a lot of time there because I was working on Neil's Out of Silence album and I got really familiar with the space and I mean it's beautiful it, it's epic and decided that I wanted to record there and my, my good friend Simon Gooding is the head engineer there with Dave Kahn uh, who produced it and we're all there in this little kind of lockdown situation in the, at Roundhead and I came home one night from the studio maybe the third or fourth night of recording and I sat down the piano and I just felt this real sense of urgency like I, I needed to express something that hadn't been expressed before possibly repressed before and that it was really important to get it out right now and it needed to go on the record and so I spent most of the night Writing this song, and I guess I, I never really intended for it to be like a spoken word type song, it's just what came out, and at the same time, it was kind of juxtaposed with this very poppy chorus for me. But they seem to work really well together, they're, they're a lovely complement and, and balance. But I was so nervous because when you write a song, it's like this fragile little creation, and it was so close to writing that I was really scared and sat down at the piano to play it and and basically whispered <laughs> and no one could hear me and they're like um yeah cool we just can't really hear you and so we listened to the recording that i'd made at home and and yeah we we, we did it that day made the song and yeah, I, I love it
0: it absolutely works and i'm glad you point that up as well that you you whispered into it because it it does have that sound and like you mentioned earlier, you don't really have a style and you like to mix it up with punk and a bit of jazz and a bit of all of it. I really think you're so right. The contrast in this song with that with that very heavy poetry, with that beautiful pop chorus is just, uh, it's just so you. So yeah, really beautiful, really beautiful. Um, lyrics wise, I mean, <sighs> you did mention when we caught up with you online that you're never really sure if it's a good thing to explain song lyrics. Um, but you are clearly an absolute lover of words. <laughs> I just want to know why is that? Is it because you don't want to put um, a meaning behind it for the listeners? You want them to get their own or does it change with you? Is it always shifting?
1: Well, everything that I write is very real and I put- to think it's very meaningful as well Um, but I I don't necessarily always write about one thing in fact I think it's complex you know we are complex humans, and the ideas that come out might intersect with other ones so I might start off with something or an idea an inspiration and that grows and develops and and I, I can feel them entangling as, and weaving together as, as the song develops and so when the song is finished it definitely has it's a whole in itself um, but the story behind where it came from or the experiences that I've had or the inspirations I've had that have made the song aren't necessarily how the song is reflected at the end when it's when it's the final piece and I think when I listen to music, I love that I make the meaning out of it myself, you know, that when, when folks listen to, to my songs, it will remind them of a memory or uh, something that they're experiencing at the moment. And so while, I, while it's nice to talk about the meaning of the songs, and that's totally got value, it's also nice to allow, allow the listener to make it their own.
0: No, that's, that is so true. And it's, I think it's especially reminiscent, you know, when you're younger and you fall in love with songs um, like Major Tom and you're crying for this man in space and then you realize it was about a trip. It was a hero and you're like, oh, oh, and it kind of ruins it a little bit. So having your own meaning on someone else's song is quite the good thing to be left with as well. Yeah. Um, your track it's a bird it's a plane it's actually i want to play it now because it's such a it's such a great song so here is from fountain it's a bird it's a plane Speaking of those lyrics, "Catch a breath outside the bottle shore. Oh, sorry, "Catch my breath outside the bottle store." I'm a regular animal. I got what I paid for. Like, it's just such—it's just poetry. But at the same time, you're in this kind of distorted world, and the gravelly tune to that song is just incredible. Can I ask you where that one came from?
1: Yeah, um, and that's interesting that you say that because it felt like I was being transported when I wrote that song as well was actually inspired, well, initially inspired by uh, a poet here in Aotearoa called Hera Lindsay Bird in the Book of Poetry that she wrote and released of the same name. And I was asked to write a song um, in relation to this book for the Auckland Arts Festival. And I really laboured over it. Like, it, it's hard to write a song in relation to someone else's work. And the, the actual song in itself isn't so much about her specific poetry or it's more about the journey that one has when they reflect upon themselves and so I guess I imagined that that I was transporting myself past experiences maybe as if you could fly above and see yourself at different moments in your life and uh, that's that's maybe why it gets a little bit of that feeling that you're you're above yourself or outside of yourself
0: Gorgeous and I mean you just said it was it was difficult to pull a song together from someone else's poetry but I mean the melody and the the song composition that you paired it with as well it just really hits it hard it's such a it's it's such a beautiful song.
1: It's not her poetry at all in the song it was more the idea that you get inspired by an object or 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 a text in this case and um, I guess what I really resonated with with Hera's work was how self reflective she was and and that 's something that I really value in my own work, so I guess I took that in a sisterly way and uh, and and went back and reflected on on what it 's like for all of us I gorgeous
0: now with the album itself i mean you worked as well with some incredible artists, but what were, some of, what were some of the highlights and then possibly even hurdles you had, whether they were just your own insecurities um, on creating this album itself?
1: Well, I think if you're going to make an art piece or a, a collection of songs, you have to commit to it. Like it's quite a lot to just to say, I wanna do this project and I want all of you to come along with me and believe in this vision. And for me, I think getting to that point was really the sort of celebratory part where I could be present enough to, to be in this record and own it myself. And I guess I had a couple of releases a year before that and they were of older projects, ones that I was you know, super proud of and really needed to release, but they were brought with a lot of kind of emotional sadness and uh, that because they were in relation to a friend who had suicided in the past that I played music with for many years. So I released those albums and kind of did it because I wanted to share his music as much as my own with the world. And I got over the other side of that. And I felt, I mean, I felt like I'd climbed dozens of mountains, you know, really, it had really taken a lot out of me to release those projects when I was feeling pretty despondent about engaging with music myself and so coming out the other side I felt like I could really be here to make what I wanted to make I could be myself in a way that could own this space and grow musically share my music and feel really confident about it and so in that respect um, really the journey was a very inward one and in saying that it was also very much about relationships and and you know the people who have helped with this record uh, that came about because I said yes to things. You know, I met Finn Andrews from The Vales because I said yes to a, a David Bowie tribute show after he died. It was kind of a, quite a big one here. And Finn flew over from the UK to perform in it. And we hit it off. I'd been a massive Vales fan and it toured with Nuxvamica blaring in the, in the tour van. And, and we hit it off and ended up doing some recording and some touring with him and then I ended up being on his album and we went overseas and so it was very much this kind of fluid relationship where I said hey Finn I'm just going to be in the studio would you be keen to sing this song he's like yeah and then Elroy Finn who's uh, uh Neil's son you know he was just upstairs <laughs> so I was literally asking him if he could just pop down um and Simon Gooding who co-produced the album and engineered it uh, he was in my band like ten years ago and sort of when he first started engineering and was you know making coffee for the other engineers and now he's head engineer in New Zealand and and uh, you know really wanted around the world. And my friend Dave Kahn, he plays with Marlon Williams, who you might have seen him he's come to Australia. He's an incredible musician, total genius, and and I knew that he I wanted him to produce the record. So this kind of balance of you know having my own back and then having being able to share the responsibility with others who shared in the vision, I guess that was the the greatest thing for me. And now that it's out in the world, the fact that anyone's listening is just like a beautiful bonus. Um, it's yeah, I'm very grateful for for all of it.
0: I think that's wonderful, and how very humble. But it, I'm, you know, I'm not a singer myself, so I imagine that must be those moments where you go, "Oh my God, people are listening. People are at their homes listening to my songs right now."
1: <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. I, I'm you know, as insecure as as the rest of us. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a musician. You know, more like, um, I guess through the journey, I've realised that the important thing is that you look after yourself, and that you create what you need to create for yourself. And then if you, if you are self-loving and caring enough to consider what you might want for your life, and then you can go out and action that and create that, that's not an easy journey by any means, then you release and share that with the world. And whether they accept or reject you is really outside of your own self-acceptance or rejection. And that means that when other people do enjoy your art, it's just a beautiful thing. I, you know, I put it out there in the midst of a pandemic and not that was really scary. I had no idea if anyone would listen to it. Half of the newspapers here and journalists in New Zealand have gone bust. You know, all of the international media besides Australia totally didn't happen, don't have any reviews from overseas. You know, yeah, I was feeling down in the gutter about it at the same time it was just like such a relief to be able to share it and i felt like this is this is my work i'm not an essential worker i don't work at the grocery store and i can't look after you and i'm not a doctor what can i do to help right now so it felt like the the best gift that i had to offer and you know when you've got a purpose like that it helps you get over your own ego your own fears about something
0: that's so true. It's, it's that initial human fear uh, when we go, oh, there's a disaster. Oh, I, I better go and put on a pair of overalls and step in and help. But it's that moment to pause and go, what can I do? And I think it's been incredible with artists such as yourself that are just keeping the music going. Because really, it's the one thing we have. You know, it's the one thing we still have. It's the one thing people really—we've always gravitated towards, but especially in times of need, you need those songs, you need those melodies. So yeah, I think it's just incredible.
1: Yeah, and, I, and what really resonates for me is that in times of crisis like this, we we rest on our our unpaid labor quite a lot. You know, um, the 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 mums at home looking after the kids, the families now homeschooling. You know, our care workers. Caring for the elderly, and and our our arts and our music, you know, and we call on those things, but we don't value them a lot, you know, in everyday life or low-paid and unpaid labour. And as a musician, um, we're kind of used to that, right? It's really hard to make a living and an income. So we're creatively trying to work out how we can connect with people and doing it online and and you know all the alternatives. How can we continue to do our art? irrespective of COVID-19 and a lockdown. At the same time, I think it's really important to reflect upon what we want to take away from this experience and what, what we could value in a different way. You know, um, My music may or may not count for the GDP of a country, but it's still valuable, just like your art or your mothering you know, or your caregiving. Um, and it's a good time to reflect.
0: It's a good time to reflect with some great music. <laughs> I think the music's yeah. going to help with the reflection, yeah. the music and the poetry. Um, on that note, I want to know, I mean, like we talked about, you have, it's clearly been your love and your passion, um, what seems like your whole life. But I want to know, being such a wordsmith as well, what was it first for you? Was it the music or was it the melody? Oh, sorry, the lyrics or the melody?
1: From, from an early age, it was definitely... Poetry or prose uh, or journals. You know, I I was um, I struggled with being alive. I suppose when I was growing up and uh, needed to find ways of expressing um, what was, you know, my suffering. I suppose and in a, in a way we all do. We all need to do that. We all need to find a way of dealing with what it's like to be ourselves in the world and. For me it was writing poetry and, and journal writing and, and and eventually realizing that that could be song and then developing um and crafting maybe how to write a song but it took me quite a while to learn that um and and particularly i think it took a while to to learn about the universal and and the importance of that and that i could express myself and my experiences but if I did it in a way that tapped into your experiences too we could share in that together and how valuable that was because actually for me from when I was a kid um, we immigrated to New Zealand and the way that we connected to other families was through music my dad made up a song book we'd have other migrant families around and we'd sit around in a circle and we sing songs and I, you know I come from a long line of migrants who use music as a way of connecting with others but also with themselves and so for me music was always a way of tapping into me and tapping into others and sharing that experience and I guess as I've got older I feel like I've been able to feel uh, stronger in that space and hold it a little more.
0: I think that's beautiful and it's such a great transition as well. It's um, how do you make that poetry? How do you get it out there? You get it out there with melody and that's absolutely beautiful. Um, Speaking of New Zealand, I mean, there is so much talent coming from that place. I feel like you guys are basically the Sweden of the Southern hemisphere when it comes to pop music. I mean, there's got to be something in the water, particularly for female artists. There's yourself, we've got Lord. we've got Thea, we've got Benny, like, This is just incredible. And I want to know, with the very evident divide, shall we say, in the industry with regards to gender inequality, do you feel that New Zealand has the girls back a little more? Or do you think it's the same across the board?
1: I think we've definitely transitioned into the new era quite well in the sense that maybe 15 years ago, it felt like, Everything was a competition and there was maybe two, maybe three female artists that were kind of part of that that label narrative. The label still kind of ran the show and they didn't really like having too many folks in the room and so it always felt like if you ever wanted to be successful, you almost had to elbow your way to the top and that kind of thing where you feel like there's not enough room, that there's always lacking, that's not a good place to come from anything. And I think what's been amazing about this technological shift over time and the displacement of major labels and the sort of rise of this kind of sharing model in a different way, although it's problematic particularly in terms of you know, finding, give, getting funds to artists, there has been a, a shift in, in space and an openness to, to set the playing field in a different way. And for me, anyway, I feel like it's allowed us to celebrate fellow artists in a new way, and particularly women in a male dominated industry where there was only space for a couple women and then, you know, 90% guys. It's meant that we can open up and go, actually, there is room. And I think that we're collectively doing that. Now, there's still imbalances, of course. Um, but at the same time, there's a there's a respect and honouring that is occurring from the women themselves that then kind of generates that acceptance and openness for more to rise up, and I I, I love that you know I'm, I'm passionately feminist and um, and I love that we can support one another to grow and develop and that I don't need to compete with the space that someone else. because we're all unique, you know, in our own way. Um, And that's not necessarily saying that there's not a need for fighting and pushing more, because there is, and um, not just between male and female. You know, there's a whole other areas of discrimination. Um, but But it does mean that there's opportunity to grow as a community and fight back in a different way.
0: Beautiful. And I think you're so right there. It's just about going, oh, hold on, there's space and allowing space. When you allow space, people drop their guard. And it's a much more welcoming environment. And when people feel welcome, you get the best out of them. So absolutely right.
1: We don't need to follow that sort of, you know, the, the American model where you're just everyone's out for themselves. And, you know, don't give a fuck about the person next door. Or the and, and that othering process, I think, really, if we can, can dismiss that for what it is, a very prejudiced, patriarchal way of thinking about the world, then it will help inform us, you know, to make choices for ourselves. Like, we don't have to choose that way. We can totally do it differently if we want to, but you first have to kind of wake up and see the environment that you're in to then change the landscape.
0: I like that. See the environment in you to to change. Oh, see the environment you're in, in order to change the landscape. I think that needs to be a bumper sticker, Reb. And lastly, before we have to leave you, I mean, you're writing a song a day. The album's out; it's incredible. But
1: what's on the horizon for you? Well, like all of us, we're just trying to grapple with the present in many ways and think about how we can create something for the future, whether it's 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 work or or creative. Projects, so I guess I'm I'm doing that a lot at the moment, you know, uh, trying to make sense of how to move forward. So we're coming up with a, a different project ideas. We'll definitely be doing some recording, um, and just just kind of imagining the future in a slightly different way. Still having dreams, maybe that we held before, around you know what can we do? When can we go to Australia? When when can we go overseas? Um, but also thinking quite local in terms of that performance work just because of the challenges that we face right now. So for me, I really want to find ways of connecting with people with my music and, and performance because, man, I miss it. I so want to do a gig, you know, <laughs> like many, of, many other musicians. You know, we just want to get out there and play for you. So I'll be oh. doing everything I can to make it happen.
0: And we want to be in the crowd singing along back to you. Yes. So, Reb, listen, it has been so wonderful chatting to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, everyone listening, Reb Fountain's self-titled new album is out now and is available on all platforms. And you really should get out there and stream it and download it immediately because it's an absolute gem and very much needed at this present time. Now, before we go, we have to remind you that our brand new issue of Women in Pop is just around the corner. So keep an eye on our social media channels for more information and to find out what incredible women we will be speaking to in issue eight. Search Women in Pop on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or go to womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you for listening and make sure you all stay safe and we will be back very soon with War Women in Pop. Until then, from myself and Reb Fountain, goodbye.
1: Bye.